Welcome to the Mango Solutions Data-Driven Nirvana podcast series, where we'll be exploring a range of topics for businesses around data science and data engineering. We're here today with Rich Pugh. He's the chief data scientist and co-founder of Mango Solutions, and also Dave Gardner, who leads the data science team at Mango. And they're going to discuss the impact of data-driven digital transformation. This is the first of a series of podcasts that Mango are going to be doing over the coming months. So please subscribe and keep listening because there's going to be some really interesting stuff we're going to discuss over these episodes. In today's episode, we're going to look at the winners and losers in the race to the data-driven Nirvana. With 90% of the world's data having been created in the last two years and the rate of data creation only set to accelerate, the ability to manage this deluge of data and turn it into actual business change is now critical in determining commercial success. In this podcast, we're going to explore how organisations can set themselves up for success by taking the right strategic approach. We'll talk about what will work and what won't work as you invest in the tools and services to achieve true data-driven nirvana. So let's turn to Rich first. Rich, welcome to the podcast. Why are we talking about being data-driven? Data-driven, well... Data is absolutely the new arms race. Um, this is, uh, and our relationship with data in business has changed dramatically over the last oh, 40, 50 years, right? So uh, we're at a stage now where people have realized in business that data can really help us to, to give us a competitive advantage because ultimately we know that computers can make better decisions than humans in, in certain scenarios. So really our relationship with data has changed from you know, storing data, managing it, through to you know, the 1980s looking at the world of BI and, 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 and retrospective. Now we're looking at, well, how do we actually drive the company with data? And that's why I think it's over 90% of execs are accelerating their investment in big data and, and AI and analytics right now, according to, uh, to recent studies. So, uh, so really data-driven is, is really what everyone's trying to get to right now. And David, can I ask you, what is the data-driven nirvana that we're referring to in the title? So for me, it's all about decisions. So something common across every single company in the world is that it makes decisions every day. Big ones, small ones, simple, complex, but we're all making hundreds, hundreds of thousands, millions of those decisions. The perfect data-driven company, if you like, is someone that gets absolutely every one of those decisions absolutely correct. And if you do that, that's how you're going to win in the market. Is that a realistic, uh, achievable goal, Rich? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question, because this is an ongoing conversation actually at Mango at the moment, which is, you know, can a company become 100% data-driven? Uh, you can argue that certain organizations can. I mean, you know, you could imagine a 100% algorithmic hedge fund that would actually run as a, a data-driven company. But um, when you actually look at the surrounding elements around the hedge fund, maybe not. So, But I think, I think whether or not you can actually reach 100% data-drivenness, if you like, is kind of not the point here. I, th I think that becoming data-driven is about improving the chance of making the right decisions, right? So if I can increase the chance of that decision being absolutely the right one, that's where you generate value. Uh, and if you then can roll that across an organization into different business areas, that's where you're going to, you know, kind of gain and maintain your market advantage. And that's why this is very much about data as a way of doing business. And how would you define a data-driven company then? If we can talk, if we can get down to definitions here. There are a bunch of definitions around data science and data-driven, as there are many things. So 
data driven obviously we've heard of data informed data led I heard of a, a, a good one recently um, wisdom centric so there's a, a company who's looking to become wisdom centric instead of data driven which I thought was brilliant so this is, this is the, the wisdom centric Nirvana now right so indeed so we have a, a formal definition like that we use with clients so we call a data driven company one that generates value from data by integrating it the DNA of its decision making processes so to bring that to life a bit my favourite example of this is a film called Moneyball so anyone that hasn't seen it Moneyball was all about baseball now baseball is a sport that's been around for hundreds of years um, massive sport in the US you know billions of dollars plowed in every year to teams getting the best people out there and winning as many games as they can and ultimately winning the World Series as they call it it's a really if you like mature market if you're comparing that to a business place and it's really hard to get that edge because everyone does the same things they all think in the same ways ultimately it comes down to money a lot of times there's quite a big disparity between the amount of budget the different teams have uh, in terms of salary they can offer Back a few years ago, there's a team called the Oakland Athletics, and they started to think very differently about how to choose players to play on their team. So previously, everyone thought, you know, how good is someone's swing of the baseball bat? How nicely does someone throw the ball when they're pitching it? Can they get that nice curve on it? What's the speed they can throw at? The Oakland Athletics use something called sabermetrics. Now, this is a way of breaking down the performance of players into a very granular level using statistics. So it's no longer that top level view, you know, how do they look? It's about what are they doing? What are they delivering on the pitch? Using that method, they won the exact same amount of games that the New York Yankees did that year, but they did it on one third of the budget. So that's a company that thought about things differently. They used data to make the really important decisions and they won in a market even though they had much less resources than everyone else. And it's true, isn't it, when you're, when you're watching baseball. I used to live in America. I was a Chicago Cubs fan for my sins. They never did very well when I was there. But I remember there was also a lot of statistics in the commentary. You know, they'd talk about how many home runs somebody had got and how many, you know, uh, strikes somebody had, all that sort of stuff. So I suppose statistics have always been there in a, in a sport like baseball, in any sport probably. But as you say, it's a question of how you use those statistics, how you use that data. Exactly, yeah. And one of the things they kind of found was that the best players were overvalued. So yeah, maybe they hit 50 home runs in a season, but actually if you bought two players that could do 25 each, you'd get each of them for less than half of the big player budget. So actually focusing your money on the stars isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. I think actually, you know, based on that, and it's a great example, I think, of where I think our relationship with data has changed and, st- and statistics has changed. So, you know, back in the late 1990s when I was a statistician in industry, analytics was very much a reactive practice, right? We were, a, we were essentially a back office function that would support regulatory areas in the business. But in the same way that you mentioned, you know, there's, there's all, all this data around the sport and now we're, we're seeing the kind of advent of sabermetrics and, and, and Moneyball. It's that looking at data and analytics in a different way. Like instead of it being a reactive pursuit, can we make it more proactive? What other challenges can we go and meet? What other areas that business can we impact? And, 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 and that's the big shift I think that's happening right now is that people are actually looking to drive a broader remit of decisions, if you like, with analytics and data, as opposed to the sort of traditional areas that you used to live in. And would it be true to say that humans have always, have always gathered data? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's not, we think of it as a very modern thing, but really it's not, is it? So they found evidence in Africa of, uh, as a species, our, our earliest data management strategy, which was something called the Ashango bones, which were found, which were, I think, something like 20,000 years old. And it was all about uh, essentially making notches on pieces of bone to understand 
understand how uh, how much uh, food we have left. So, so we're, you know, as a species, we've had data management problems just for for twenty thousand years, right? So, um, but of course, in the last one hundred years, that this things have accelerated massively since the nineteen twenties when we first put data onto magnetic tape. Um, there was a lovely article actually in the New Statesman uh, which said that uh, the amount of data in the world today, we have a massive data management problem. We have a big data issue. We have this information explosion. We can't possibly manage all this data. Um, that article was in 1964. So it's, you know, you know th- and that article could be written today, right? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of where we are right now. And I think a big part of this, even, even though we've had these data management challenges, if you like, for thousands and thousands of years, with the advent of the internet and recent growth in technology means that the, the, the rate of data, as you said earlier on, is, is growing at an astonishing rates, right? So, you know, as a species, we generate 2.5 quintillion bytes of data a day. That's the equivalent of 60 billion iPad 32 gigabyte, you know, a, a day as a species. It's a phenomenal amount of data that we're generating. And we're seeing uh, pretty much every study, every analysis shows that data growth is accelerating, right, Tiff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me about what's really changed in literally the last few years, I think even back, you know, 10 years ago, with the amount of data we stored was still pretty big, we could handle it. In the last few years, when you're hearing about, you know, AI, big data, you know, the real buzzwords out there at the moment, it's really about the technology that's enabled that. So a lot of the techniques we're using have been around, again, for tens of years, right? Things like machine learning isn't a new concept. Statisticians have been doing that for a very long time. What's changed is now we've got the technology, people can gather that data, they can store it, they can access it, and then they can analyze it much quicker. They can do it with a bigger volume of data than they used to. And people who aren't statisticians, people who haven't had, you know, four, five, six years of formal training in it, can suddenly do some pretty complex analysis pretty quickly. Whether or not they can do it properly, I think, is a different question. But that, that technology barrier has been removed, and that's why you see this explosion in data science. To use a sort of layman's example of this explosion in data, I mean, I, I, something that's always struck me is, the, is, the, is photography. 20 years ago, we were still using film. You know, you put your film in your camera, you might have 36 shots in that film. So you, so you were careful with them. You know, you, you made sure you pointed at the right thing and, and focused it and hopefully got a good shot. And, then, and, and today, it couldn't be more different, could it? Because we all have very high-quality cameras on our phones. We might have digital cameras in addition to that. And we can take literally hundreds of pictures without even thinking about storage and all that sort of thing. So just there in that one simple thing of the data that is required to store a photograph, there must have been a, a ridiculous explosion in the amount of data over the last 20 years. And that's just one little thing. It's got nothing to do with, you know, that's just a picture. Mm. So if you think about that across, as I say, that's kind of a layman's example, this one that I find easy to understand. But is that what we're talking about in terms of this explosion? I mean, would, would, would you... Yeah, yeah would you I, I, say, and I think it also has a really nice parallel with the, the technology as well. So if you take up the world of photography... Um, I think it was Kodak who um, essentially owned the rights and, and first uh, invented the, the digital camera. Is that right, Dave? It's, yeah. And um, I, I think they, they essentially sat on it and, and, and they didn't really go after that business line, essentially. And, and um, you know, that, that's kind of the, the world kind of evolved around them, essentially. So there's a really nice example where, yeah, the technology was advanced, but culturally that company wasn't really 
ready to take advantage of it and and therefore they they kind of lost out in that race and I think that's a that's a real fear right now and I think we're seeing organizations that are brave enough to to take that step and really have a go at this stuff are, are really becoming very disruptive in the industry if you take organizations like uber airbnb spotify these are absolutely are data-driven companies and they have completely changed um, certain industries based on essentially data-driven business models right so david rich mentioned some disruptive companies there uh, but what about traditional industries is this is, is this going to be relevant to to a traditional sort of company yeah, absolutely. So in the examples Rich gave, obviously disruptive companies, and they had the advantage of being able to build as data-driven from the ground up, as you like, whereas companies in traditional industries, one that have been around for a long time, they don't have that luxury. But what they do have are other advantages. So if you've been in a market for 10, 20, 30 years, you've got data, you've got experience with that market, you've got knowledge of how it works, you have relationships. So for traditional industries, I think it's all about translating those advantages they do have and seeing how they can take that and turn that strength um, adding data science to it to really win in the market against those disruptors so if this is a race perhaps that's the wrong way of putting it but if it is a race what what are what are the winners going to look like and what are the losers going to look like absolutely the winners are going to be the ones who are taking this seriously now i i, I think there are a lot of organizations who are trying to become data-driven and progressing with this, but it also feels like sometimes there's a, a lot of companies who are just standing on the edge of the pool waiting, whether you know, trying to work out whether or not to, to go and have, have a swim. Um, I think that's kind of particularly hard, actually, for companies that are successful now or has been successful recently, because if you're making money in a market, there's no burning platform to go out there and do something differently, right? So if you're standing around going, well, I've made millions of pounds over the last few years, why should I change? The problem is if you're not starting to think about that stuff now, by the time your competitor does it and they've got an edge in the market, you're five years behind because this stuff isn't easy. You need to be thinking about it now before you get blown out by someone else. Yeah, absolutely. But I suppose one of the problems with with any technological change is that, you know, if you're an early adopter or you or you perceive yourself as an early adopter, you know, that, that, that kind of carries with it or it appears to carry with it some risk. If you've got a, a client or a potential client who's reluctant, who kind of kind of he's figured out that this stuff matters, but they're a bit reluctant to invest or whatever. I mean, how do you how do you convince them mm. that that this stuff does matter and it is going to make a difference to, to their bottom line in the years to come? I think the challenge is is some I, sometimes slightly different to that in that I think that um, the amount of marketing hype uh, in the data and AI world right now is is such that I think no one can ignore it. So I think everyone understands there is value in this. But I think the challenge that you sometimes have is a lot of the marketing is is from, say, large technical companies who will say, you know, all you have to do is to buy this piece of software and then, you know, magical things happen. I don't know, you know money rolls out of servers somewhere in the in your server room. You know, that that's, that's almost a challenge. So I think that um, people are sometimes getting perhaps bad advice around where to start and and how to go about this because realistically yeah we absolutely data drivenness is about data it's about technology it's about algorithms but this is fundamentally a cultural shift this is this is really is a different way of doing business fundamentally and i think that organizations that that run at investments in tech and people without 
understanding that, that's kind of the, where they're going to get tripped up. So, so I, I guess in terms of the advice that we give organizations around this when we're, we're talking about becoming data-driven, it's really about, you know, what are the pragmatic, practical steps to iteratively adding value, proving that principle, and then actually transforming off the back of that. That's that's the way to go through things, not the the kind of big bang, you know, huge investment, buy a big platform, and, and then everything will be right uh, approach, which I, I think that um, you know, there's a real danger of falling into it, and we've se- we've seen it happen with organisations as well. I'm, I'm going to talk in a sec about uh, some perhaps some examples of companies that have got there who have got close to data-driven nirvana. But before I do, David, that same question to you, really. You know, when you're talking to the people out there in the real world who who are considering this, you know, and and but perhaps are reluctant for all sorts of reasons. You know, what? How how do you approach that, and how do you sort of help them? to realize that this stuff matters. Pick it up on what Rich said, for me it's all about finding value, proving value early and using that to win over stakeholders. So I think ironically a few years ago people were willing to chuck millions of pounds at data warehousing projects without a particularly good view on what that's going to do, what's going to allow them. But actually I would say spending much less than that on a project where you just see what data you've got, gather it together, wrangle it and see what value you can find in it, often that's a really great way to get stakeholder buy-in. Because if you're that kind of person, you've been in the business 20 years, you're well established to what you do, you make your decisions you know, based on your experience and knowledge you've built up, it's a bit threatening, isn't it? If someone comes along and says, I've got some data, I reckon I can do the job better than you. Bringing them on board by saying, actually, you know, did you know these things about your business? How would that affect the way you make decisions? That's really important because ultimately those kind of people, leaders in the business can block you, but getting them on board is the key thing to really generate momentum. Okay, so Rich, who's close? Who's got there then? What, what, what sort of companies are, are doing this right? It's a great question. I see that there's a lot of emperor's new clothes going on right now. Every organization I talk to about data and data-drivenness and analytics and so on, the, the, the first thing you hear is, you know, we're so far behind, all of our competitors are doing it better than us. And there's a real fear in the industry right now about about who's there. Honestly, right now, it's actually very rare to find a company that is getting there from a top level, not maybe I've seen departments do really well, I've seen individual projects and areas, you know, accelerate and so on. But as a company, it's actually difficult to pick examples. Yeah, Um, I mean, ultimately, no matter how good a company we talked about, you know, Uber and Spotify and so on, they've got data in a spreadsheet somewhere. It's sitting in a system people can't access. It's it's dirty, it's not been structured well, and people are pulling their hairs out about data. Everyone has it, no matter what Mm. the perception is. But I mean, even even when you take some of the organisations that that in the industry are seen as the leading organisations around data science, when you when you actually go in and, and scratch under the surface, it's it's you don't have to you know scratch long to find to find uh, to find actually that it's not perfect. So for for example, um, there's I won't name them, but there's a there's a, a big tier one bank that's known in the industry as a real progressive uh, organisation around data and data science. They've got some really good people and, and so on, and and we were lucky uh, enough to uh, to do uh, some work in there. And um, when we were advising them, one, one of the the leadership uh, around data asked me a really great question which was how do you how do you actually create a data driven company from a collection of data science projects which i thought was a wonderful question because what they'd done is they had managed to execute a number of really good initiatives in the business added lots and lots of value but internally those were seen as anecdotal projects right things that burned brightly once saved a lot of money 
but then nothing happened. And, and, and I think what they, they had struggled with is to actually see these different initiatives as examples of a progression and a shift as opposed to just isolated examples of value creation. So, so even the companies that are supposedly doing brilliantly, you can see they, they still have challenges. So nobody's actually got to the Nirvana yet? Somebody getting close? Yeah, you see lots of really good work going on. Uh, one of the best examples I, for me is is um, Hiscox, obviously a, a traditional insurance company. They, for me, are, are an example of a company who are really going about this the right way. When you when you actually look at what they're doing, there's a really nice balance between uh, the you know the technology, the culture, and the people, uh, the data, and I, I think that has sponsorship right up to the exec. And I think that one of the things they've done really really well at his Cox is they've created a language around data and, and adding value with data via their data labs initiative that really allows the organization to see the progress and see see the initiative as about generating value by improvements of decisions. And, and I think by really creating like a consistent language around why you're doing this and, and bringing everyone on that journey, I think that's where they're having some real success. So I, for me, that's a really nice example of a company that are going about things absolutely in the right way. And funnily enough, actually, so we, we talked earlier about it being difficult sometimes being a successful company to generate the buy-in and generate the momentum to, to do data science well. But they are an example of a company that has had recent success, but look forward and recognize they need to st- do this stuff. And actually the, the exec and teams within Hiscox done a really great job at pushing that forward and creating that burning platform. And if you're setting out on this road, are there pitfalls that you need to avoid, would you say? Absolutely. So, I mean, we, we talked about hype earlier. So this whole thing of big bang solution, you buy XYZ platform or technology that do it all for you. Absolutely the wrong way of going about it, I would say. Yes, that may be relevant at a certain stage, but don't buy into that hype that AI can fix all your problems. What I think is more important than ever now really is to talk to people who are doing this. So we said no one's cracked it, but there are people going along this journey, whether that be your peers in the industry, whether that be comparators across different industries or getting external advice and whether that might be, you know, don't try and go it alone. This stuff is hard and the value of the experience of people who have done it, that's really important to bring in. So it's a, a cultural thing as much as a technological thing? Yeah, for me, that's that's the critical thing in terms of pitfalls is that you know, ultimately what we're trying to do, you're trying to add value. How do you do that? Well, you do that by change. You know, you, you are fundamentally trying to improve the way you make decisions. And that is a, a that's a transformation. That is, that is you know, data as a way of doing business. And, and therefore, if you consider analytics as a, as a data project or a, a technical project or, a, or you know, infrastructure, whatever it is, and you miss the fact that you need to take the business with you, that for me is the biggest pitfall and that's where things like education creating a common language and and really having alignment you know right through from the leadership right down that through the organization that is so critical you you can't create a data driven company from the bottom up and um and so yeah so that alignment around the journey people are going on and the cultural shift that's that's the critical piece for me so it's not just a bolt-on you, you it's got to run right through the core it's like there's like we're writing in a piece of rock or something yeah absolutely right i mean you so if you if you think of uh, the example of the tier one bank you know yes an organization can invest in analytics find some projects and and generate value 
great. That, that, that's really good. And actually, you'll find in an organization that hasn't gone about this process before, you will often find, you know, very, very low-hanging fruit, quick value, and that's, that's lovely. But people have to see this as a, as a process, right, as, as, a, um, as examples, as stepping stones on the way to becoming data-driven, not, not the end result themselves. And that's where that, that transformation is critical. Do you think there is an end result, Rich? Because I always think that, you know, we talk about a journey with data science, we talk about this nirvana, and we, we say you're never quite going to reach it. But equally, that endpoint kind of shifts, doesn't it, as the business shifts? I think, yeah. I think it's important not to think of it as, right, we're going here, and this is the destination, this is the journey. It's like, here's the direction we're going in, we have a view on where we want to get to, but you're constantly analysing that, seeing is it the right way to go, having the agility to shift yeah, definitely, and and I think that um, okay, we've we've used the word journey a number of times there, and, and you know I suppose any any conversation about data data drivenness has to include the word journey, right? So and when you go to these conferences, you hear this word word over and over again, but if you think about what a journey really means, you know you you have a start point, you have an end point, you typically have a map, right? To you know, use a, an app or whatever you want to do, and you know that you need a certain amount of equipment for the way and and people with you and, and so on. When a lot of organizations today in the data world talk about a journey, I, I, f- I fear they, they're using the word just to stir up a connotation of some momentum of some sort. But actually, you mentioned the destination there. I, I, I very often come across organizations who, who would say they're on a data-driven journey, but actually are, are not clear on what the destination really is. Which, and, and for me, it brings it right back to what you said at the start, Dave, about um, decisions, right? And this is about improving decision-making and, 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 and adding value in that way. You, you know, I think that if people are going on this journey or if they're stuck on the journey, if they need to go on the journey, but they don't know where to start, what they need is, is real practical advice from people who've done this before are not going to come and say, oh yeah, you know, step one is spend X million on a platform, but you know, then go and hire 50 people. You know, that that's absolutely not the way to do this. And yeah, I think there my, are... My heart sinks when I see one of those diagrams with 50 different logos in it and various different technology solutions and I go, this is where we're going to get to. And you go, yeah, what's the, what's the business going to be doing? What's the change going to be and how are we going to be making those decisions? I think having a view on that is really important and the, the tech stuff then follows. So let's talk a little bit now before we finish about some of the practical implementation. If, I, if I'm an exec sitting you know, in my boardroom and I'm thinking, I want to be a data-driven company, I know this stuff matters, I haven't got a clue how to start. So what do I do? What should I be doing? Well, I, I think it's a great start. I would say that, you know, if you've got leadership who want to become data-driven and see this, see the opportunity, that's a huge benefit. I, I, I talked to a, a utilities organization recently and they said, oh, our, our data-driven journey isn't going so well. And I said, oh, well, what's happened so far? And they said, well, we've got leadership buy-in. And I said, well, I, I know organizations would bite your hand off to have that. So yeah, if you're on the exec and, and you, you see in all this and you get the value, that's great. What you need to do is to actually go and get you know, get started and get some real good practical advice from people who really understand this world in order to show you how you can iterate and actually work, move along that journey, showing value as you go in along. I think that's that's critical. Yeah, so I think from a leader perspective, um, I guess understanding the art of the possible, what can be done with data. I think sometimes we have a view that data answers data questions in the way that we've done for 10 years, you can just do it faster. I think you can reimagine 
the way you solve problems. And you can only do that, though, if you as a business leader with the context understand what is possible with the data and with the data science. One of the things I would say is really important, it's, it's not the sexy bit of data science, is get the data piece right as well. So, so many projects have been scuppered by bad governance, unclean data, legacy systems that people can't access and use. So it's not the cool bit of, you know, using AI to do things in a very different way, but you need to get the data right to get there. So if you're going to think about a practical starting point, sometimes data is a good one to start at. Presumably, it's important to ask the why question somewhere along the road. You know, why are we doing this? You know, what's, what's the, what's, I know we talked about there's no, there might not be a final goal, but there kind of has to be a, a reason for you doing it and not you know, beyond perhaps the simple sort of bottom line, you know, let's make more profit type of reason. But, mm. but if you've got that, if you kind of know what it is you hope to get from it, does that make it easier to go along this data-driven journey? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've seen organizations who try and become data-driven by building a huge project and then saying, okay, we, we will, we will do all, make all this change and in five years we'll come out and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, have, we'll, we'll have a data-driven company. The challenge really is that that's very difficult for, I mean, that's a very brave um, you know, thing for, for a leadership to do. So I think, I think what you need to do is to really balance that tactical and strategic piece of a data-driven transformation. Yes, you, you, know, you need to understand where you're going. You need to understand where you're trying to, you know, tr- trying to get to and what the business will essentially look and feel like at that point. Point, right, but you also need to actually build some wins along the way. And, and in organisations that haven't been through this before, like I say, there's lots of low-hanging fruit that will generate value for you in that way. I'll go in bold. I'd say the why you're doing it is I, I don't think you have a business in five, ten, fifteen years' time, whatever it might be, depending on your industry. But I do not think you have a business if you aren't thinking about data, because if you aren't, someone else is. You know, whether that's your traditional competitor in your market, whether that's a new disruptor that can come in from left field. You know, I genuinely think. You don't have to get to Nirvana, but you've got to be thinking about this. You've got to be going on that journey. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. If you've got an industry where there's two organizations who are essentially after the same market, and of the two companies, one is making better decisions fundamentally, that, that company's got to win, right? I mean, this, this, is, this is absolutely where, where the future is. And, and so for us, in the future, the success is going to be dictated by how well an organization can, can get the data, turn it into actionable insight and drive better behavior, better decision making. That's, I think in that respect, data and analytics has gone from a, a kind of nice to have to essentially an essential element of your business plan that you need to be doing, otherwise you're going to fall behind. Well, I think that's an excellent note to end our first episode of the Data Driven Nirvana podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. My name's Dave Harris, and I've been talking to Rich Pugh, who's the chief data scientist and co-founder of Mango, and David Gardner, who leads the data science team here at Mango. Thank you very much for listening and please join us again for our next episode.